0: In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We will continue our study in the book of Daniel, chapter 11. Just before we go through where we are, just want to remind you is that Daniel, we said he was one of the most faithful people that we have seen in the Old Testament, and he has been praying not for himself, but he has been praying for the people of Israel. Because you have been in exile. And he was very concerned, not specifically with the issue of the location, but more concerned with the fact that the worship of God is no longer taking place. And that means the covenant between God and his people is in danger. So he was very concerned and he was praying to God, when all this will happen, when this all will end. And we saw that when he stood and prayed in front of God, he offered repentance he told God, we have rebuilt the you, We have strayed away from you. We have not followed your commandments. He was the most faithful man and he was still offering repentance on behalf of his own people. He saw their mistakes as his own. He did not try to separate himself from the mistakes of the people around him. And we saw that Daniel had a special relationship with the angels. Angel Gabriel used to come to him all the time. And we saw how angel Gabriel started telling him about his relationship with angel Michael. And we also saw that Daniel saw our Lord Jesus Christ. And he described him very closely to how St. John described our Lord Jesus in Revelation 1. And that gives us the indication of how these prophecies are true. Because when two people describe somebody... And they are very similar, but not exact. That adds historical accuracy. We also saw that Daniel started seeing a lot of prophecies from Gabriel. And the prophecies last time, we said there were a lot of details about the war between Egypt and Syria. And the whole discussion about this war is because israel is in between egypt and syria and the concern was what happens to the people of god what happens to israel what happens to the covenant. and it's interesting when we see this sometime you know, the world might think so big but where god focuses on are things that might seem minor what is israel as a land in size relative to the Persian empire or the Greek empire or the Roman empire, nothing. I was thinking about this the other time when Jesus was being crucified. You see, everybody's so focused on, you know, the, the Romans are coming and crucify him and Pilate and washing his hands and all this stuff. And then you see the Bible focusing on very small details. They cast a lot on his clothes. Who cares? But God is showing us that his hands works in the small details. Don't underestimate the power of the children of God. There is almost 135 prophecies in Daniel 11 alone and all has to do with the people of God. All has to do with Israel. And that should make me kind feel how important the church, the people of God, are to the work of salvation in the world. So, as we mentioned last time, we said that Gabriel showed Daniel, Daniel, that what's going to happen after Darius, what's going to happen after Alexander the Great. Now, in a lot of details, now we came to after Alexander the Great. If you guys remember, there were four different kingdoms. Uh, the Greek was divided into four different regions. The two regions that we focused on: Syria and Egypt. Ptolemy in Egypt, Seleucius in Syria. Or Egypt is in the south, Syria in the north. All these are synonyms. Now, from verse 21, this is where we're going to start, and verse until verse 24 uh, t- uh, until verse 35. These are focused on Anticus Epiphanius. Again, this is this name we have mentioned multiple times because this is the mere image of the antichrist in the old testament and what this guy does will be very similar to what will happen before the second coming you know like the beginning is similar to the end the things that happen before the events of the first coming is almost similar to events that happen before the second coming that's why the prophecies are always always mixed so who is, who is Antiochus Epiphanius? We're going to read a little bit more details about him and the war between him and Egypt. In verse 21 it says, And in his place, the king before Antiochus, shall arise a vile person. A vile person. A person who is not trustworthy. A person you cannot depend on. To whom they will not give honor of, of royalty, but he shall come in peaceably and seize the kingdom by intrigue. So what is the Antichrist going to do? What is Antichrist going to do? He's going to come and by means of deceit, he will try to take over the kingdom. And this is what happened truly. The rightful people to the kingdom were the children of Seleucus IV. One of them was captured. Demetrius was being held hostage in Rome. And Antichrist came and threw like bribes and trying to flatter people and try to show them uh, some sort of kindness, he became the political leader of Syria. And this man broke all the promises he gave. One of the things that sometimes we have to be careful about is that sometime when you work with people, when people do not have principles they follow, it becomes very, very hard. becomes very, very hard to have a, a relationship and a path to go forward. And this is the problem with the devil. He doesn't have principles that he has to stick with. He uses any means to deceive you, even if they are a spiritual means. Even if they are means of flattery. He will try to use different means to, uh, to deceive the people. With the force of a flood, they shall be swept away from before him and be broken, and also the prince of the covenant. And after the league is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. What is he talking about? So after, after Antichus becomes the, the, the leader of Syria, what's gonna happen is a war is gonna arise the prince of Egypt or the king of Egypt is going to come and attack him. That happened uh, in around 181, in the uh, the rule of, uh, sorry, 169, the rules of Ptolemy VI, to come and attack him. What's going to happen is Antichus will defeat him. And not only defeat him, he will take Ptolemy as a hostage. He will take him eh, as a hostage. Why does he call Ptolemy the Prince of Covenant? Because what happened when Antichus captured him, Ptolemy told him, look, if you help me get back to Egypt and become the king, I will have a deal with you, I will follow you, I will submit Egypt to you. Because when Ptolemy was captured, now his brother in Egypt became the king. You see how evil the world is? People are willing to sell and kill their own siblings for the sake of power. And by the way, you might, when we see the extreme situations, you might feel, whoa, this is far away from me. But a lot of times, practicing self-denial is a very difficult task for us as the children of God. And What does it mean practice self-denial? I might do, myself, certain work and then when my brother comes, I give him credit for it. Or if somebody attribute credit to somebody else, I don't jump in and be like, oh, oh, but I helped. Sometime, even to try to self, to to deny yourself and encourage your friends, even if you yourself have a lot of people that support you and give you words of encouragement and your brother needs it, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it is hard for us to do this. This is at the small level but when you expand, extrapolate to political levels and power and control, it becomes very, very difficult. He shall enter peacefully, peaceably, even into the richest places of the providence, and he shall do what his father have, done, have not done, nor his forefather. He shall disperse among them the blunder, the spoil, the riches, and he shall devise his plans against a stronghold, but only for a time. So after Antiochus defeated Egypt, what he started to do, he entered the strong lands. What are the strong lands? It included Judah, parts of Egypt, other providence of Syria. And how did he enter? He used to give people gifts. He used to send some of his followers to the, to the small city and be like, "Oh, I have all these gifts to the, to the leaders of the nation. They welcome him, they take over. and he used to buy a lot of people by money. But see what the Bible says, he says what? This is only happening for what? For a time. Evil will only grow for a time. Because God will allow it for a purpose. When the Antichrist, this is also what happen. we'll see later. Now, when the Antichrist, evil will grow for a time. And he shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south, which is the king of Egypt, with great army. And the king of the south shall, stir up, shall be stirred up to battle with every great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Yes, those who eat of the portion of his de- delicacies shall destroy him, his army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. Again, Antichus, he defeated the first king of Egypt. He took him captured. Now his brother is in Egypt. Now, after he got stronger, he says, you want, let me try to attack Egypt again. And this time, some of the people of Egypt betrayed their own lands. And they tried to help Antichus to, to take over. This is, this is human wisdom, human intelligence. Sometime when we see the evil of the world we'll be surprised that this happens. When you look at uh, some of the things that people do, it shocks you. I remember the first time I ever saw for example how in the United States, one of the most powerful weapons we've been using, drones. You guys know the drones? We use drones to bomb anybody that we don't like, any terrorist we don't like. And we use drones to kill people, any nation, especially certain Middle Eastern nation in Yemen and Afghanistan. And at some point, these drones, because they want to capture one person, they would kill 30, 40 people around them. That happens very regularly. And people cannot do this in America, cannot do this in Europe, as if the human value in some nation is higher than others. The evil in the world is a lot. We see the way that people work together nations work together evil work together even two people who have no principle they're not led by god they cannot keep their promises together look in verse 27 both these kings hearts shall be bent on evil and they shall speak lies at the same table but it shall not prosper for the end will still be at the appointed time again once this happened again once once antichus captured the second king of egypt he told them, hmm, help me this time to, I'll help you to get to the throne, and once you get to the throne, help me to have control over Egypt. They both sat on the same table. They both had in their heart to lie. And when Antiques helped that, king to be, to help that guy to become king, this guy fought with his brother, and they split Egypt into two different small countries. One of the things that the world, a lot of times, finds easy is lying. And unfortunately, sometime even in our life, we belittle lying. As lying corrupts the heart, it makes it hardened. Because when you are honest, The purity comes out. And one of the things that sometimes we need to be honest about, especially in confession, when I'm confessing my sins, sometimes I try to make it look good. When I say the truth as it is, yes, I was not happy for my friends' success. Yes, I felt this way. Yes, I was jealous. Say it the way it is. It cleanses. Verse 28, while returning to his land with great riches, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant, so he shall do damage and return to his own land. So Gabriel has been talking, this, by the, this whole conversation is from Gabriel to Daniel. Finally, Gabriel told Daniel the whole purpose. He told him, Antichus, when he's going back, from his war against Egypt, he's going to start attack Israel, the Holy Covenant. He, actually, in his way back, you find this in 1 Maccabees 1 and Second Maccabees 5. There was a small rebellion, and he came, and he destroyed them, and he killed many people. He killed like 80,000 men, women, and children. You'll see it in 2 Maccabees, uh, Maccabees 5 from 12 to 14. And he looted the temple. And actually one of the one of the priests in Israel helped him. So that's the first time that this Antichus Epiphanius came and sacked Jerusalem. Now from verse twenty nine to verse thirty, we're gonna talk about the second time. And then we're going to move on to the second coming at that point in time he shall return to go forward the south south is egypt so again see he doesn't stop he goes fight egypt goes back again goes back to egypt goes fight it doesn't stop but it shall not be like the former or the or the latter this is different for ships from cyrus shall come against him therefore he shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant and do damage so he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant what happens this is actually a very interesting story historically is very interesting story antichus went to attack egypt this time the king of egypt knew he cannot defeat him so he called up rome rome was getting really powerful at this time so rome sent a ship with a Roman commander. His name is Papilius. Papilius came to Antichus and drew a circle around him in the sand. And he told him, you have two options, either to retreat or you face war with Rome. And you have to make that decision before you step out of that circle. This is how powerful Rome was at this point. So Antiochus would not fight with Rome. So he lived in humiliation. He was humiliated. He's a man of war. I, I've been, he's been defeating Egypt. Egypt at this time was weak. Now he's going back angry. He's humiliated and he's angry. So on his way back from Egypt to Syria, what is he going to pass by? Jerusalem. When he, goes, when he goes back this time, because he's angry, he's frustrated, he feels shame. In verse 31, it says, And all and his and, and forces shall be mustered master, uh, by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifice and place there the abomination of desolation. When he turned back with his anger, he destroyed the temple. He said, No more sacrifice. He took the money from the temple he put in the altar of zeus by the way this is what happens not only to antichus to a lot of us a lot of times for example when you get upset or humiliated from your friends at school or at church you go back home and yell and scream at your parents for no reason this is exactly what happened with antichus he got humiliated by rome so who should he get his, his frustration on? The small country that he passes by, Israel. To feel good about himself. This is the fairest time, fairest time, that the sacrifice would stop and the temple still there. Anybody would practice circumcision or owning part of the scripture or offer sacrifice he would be put under penalty of death. You'll see this in First Maccabees one. If you choose to follow God in the time of Antichrist, you will be in danger of death, and we will see this later. All of that destruction and evil, and the people of God did not repent. The people of God did not repent. But there is good news. There are few people in Israel who still follow God. Let's see verse 32. It's one of the most beautiful verses in this chapter. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. And basically, there are people in Israel who will who actually sell themselves to Antichus because of his flattering, because of his gifts, because of the money. So those who do wickedly, they will, he, they will, he will win them by flattery. He will entice them by gifts. But people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Even in the most difficult time, in the history of Israel, there are people who knew God. If you, if you open Maccabees 1 from 62-63, it says what? Many in Israel stood firm and were resolved in their hearts not to eat unclean food. They chose they to die rather than to be defiled by food or to profane the holy covenant. And they did die. There are some people who said we will not adhere to the pressure by antiques why because they know god they know the god they're worshiping when i know the god i worship i'm not gonna fear i'm not gonna doubt i'm not gonna let anything move me i know my god who's my god my god is the god of tribulation He cleansed me in the most difficult times. My God is the God that comes in the fourth watch when all hopes seem failing. My God is the God that was crucified for me. My God is the God who said, you know what? Against injustice, I am gonna teach you how to turn all the bitterness of injustice into joy. And all the fear that faces humanity I'm going to make you learn and turn it into courage. Those people carried the work of God till they lost a life. Did not waste time. There will come a time where we have to not fear because we know who God is. Be careful because many people want to send the wrong image of God. Want to doubt the principles that God has put in place. And at that time, in Israel, there was a priest from the family of Maccabees. His name is Mettaus. He's the one who started leading a rebellion against Antichus Epiphanius. And he was successfully, later on, succeeded in actually freeing Israel from the desecration the that happened to them. And the, temp, and the temple was rededicated, the Feast of the Hanukkah, in December 14164. And those of the people who understand who, who those people understand, they are the saints shall instruct many when you read the bible and when you know God and you experience God you will teach people you will tell them about the nature of God the promises of God one of the biggest problems is most people on the street today what they know about God is not from reading the scripture it's from what people told them about God or from some of the criticism that people give them about God. But he's telling them those saints will teach people about the faith. And then he's saying, yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. That doesn't mean that these saints who instruct people who are not going to pay the price for their faith they will pay the price up to their life. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help. But many shall join with them by intrigue. Basically, when the saints start instructing people and leading people to know what is the true, what is the promises of God, God is going to save you. Don't be intimidated by Antichus Epiphanius. We have people who are coming to overcome him. So what's going to happen? You're going to see some people are encouraged. Yes, I want to fight with you. Yes, I want to help you. But then it also it says, but many will join with them by intrigue. But other people will join for the wrong reasons. You, have, we have, you see this also in the church. Some people would come for the right reasons. Some come for the wrong reasons. And sometimes those who come for the wrong reason will lead those who come for the right, for the right reason outside the church. If he's saying them, he's telling them, God will give them help, will aid them, but also others will come and continue to join them with intrigue. It's almost God wants his people to constantly be under tribulation. I was actually reading something beautiful today. Our Lord Jesus told one of the saints, he told them, pure love is the only thing that can sustain you at the hour of death. And he said, pure love can only be experienced through suffering. When I forgive somebody, I'm, suppressing a lot of my rights when I start listening to somebody patiently I'm suppressing some of my own interests when I help people in the secret I'm showing purity of love this is what will be left to us at the hour of death this is what God is saying And some of those of understanding shall fall. Why should they fall? Look at the verse to refine them, purify them, make them white until the time of the end because it is still for the appointed time. Those who fall, those who die, is to make the people of God clean, pure. You know how many people were touched by the Coptic martyrs, the 21 Coptic martyrs in Libya? how many lives changed. It refined us. They were being tortured for a month. They still did not deny the faith. They still did not deny the faith. All these difficulties is for an appointed time. Antichus died a terrible death. He fell into... Depression, and then he, he, got, he went crazy and he died even in the time of tribulation God is in control now from verse 36 until chapter 12 verse 3 we're talking about the prophecies concerning the end of time so now there's a shift now there's a shift and it's important to write a note in your notebook about this when you go back and again I told you a lot. Of, even in the New Testament the Gospels when our Jesus Christ is talking about the prophecies in the second coming he usually the first and the second coming uh, sorry the destruction of Jerusalem and the second coming are always look similar because there's a lot of similarities between each one then the king shall do according to his own will this antichrist should do according to his own will he shall exalt and magnify himself above every god Shall speak blasphemy against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. This indicates that most likely the Antichrist will be atheist. He says he will not; he will exalt himself above every god. We see this in Second Thessalonians two four and Revelation thirteen six. Although he might use religion to gain some position, some power. But deep inside, he's not going to belong to any religion. He's not going to belong to any religion. But what is the verse saying here? He's saying that for, for uh, he says here, he shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished for what has been determined shall be done. So it turns out the Antichrist will be judged but he himself is a judgment to the wicked. If you guys open Revelation 16, what does it say? It says, for those who rejected the truth will believe his lies and follow him to their doom. So what happens is people will believe the lies that is being spread by the Antichrist. And you can see some of these lies now in, in invading our society. And people start believing these lies. The Bible is not accurate. Jesus is not God. All these things. That These lies started to spread. He's not going to come until a lot of these lies are embedded in people's heads. But God is saying those who believe the lies the Antichrist is their judgment Shankill it's very important for me I don't say you know what the church believes in this but I believe in that you have to stop when you make this statement where are you getting this from changes in your belief system doesn't happen overnight takes time Slowly, people change what they believe. So you have to be careful, because those who believe his lies will follow him till their doom. He shall regard neither the God of his father nor the desire of woman, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. This guy is not going to show respect to any of the religion of his fathers. If we say the Antichrist as we said from Daniel seven or nine, he's from most likely where the Roman Empire at that time used to be, so part of Europe, Egypt, uh, Israel, somewhere in this area. Most likely, his his he's descendant of a Christian family. He's descendant of a Christian family. He is atheist. He says he's not going to regard the religion, the religion of his parents. He's not going to regard the natural human desire, the natural human processes, and his main goal is to make people be impressed by him, worship him, treat him as nobody else like him and by the way, yani. People, are, people do these things for fun sometimes. I remember somebody showed me a clip of a very, fam- a, fam- a very famous soccer player in England, and then you had four kids who saw him and they st- started bow- bowing in front of him. But in, his, in this place, he shall honor a god of fortress. What's a god of fortress? The god of military power. His main concern will be to increase in power. And a God which his father did not know He shall honor With gold and silver With precious stones and pleasant things So his main goal Was to increase in military army To increase in power To lavish himself with all these All these um, Extra materialistic things Silver and gold and all this stuff He will substitute Religion with war You know Everybody wants to feel they belong to a group. So people feel they belong to a nation, some people feel they belong to a church, some people feel they belong to a community, some people feel they belong to a a minority group. Everybody wants to feel they belong to a group. He's gonna substitute military power, war, for religion. Just like in some nations in Europe, the church was substituted by soccer clubs. Like in England, every city used to have a big church, and people would go worship every Sunday. Later on with time, every city had a big soc- has a big soccer club, and people, instead of going to church, they go to play soccer, and that became the one thing that unites the whole city together. The human need for belonging is still there, it gets drifted and channeled to the wrong way. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortress with a foreign god which he shall acknowledge uh, acknowledge and advance its glory. He shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. The people of the world will be very impressed by him. And those who follow him, he will honor. And in, the book, in Revelation 13.4, it's honestly, if you do a comparison between Daniel and Revelation, it will blow your mind away. As if both of them seeing the same thing, but everybody is pointing to something different. In Revelation 13.4 says, who's like the beast? Who can make war against him? People say, who's like this guy? He's so powerful. He's so smart. And people start making allegiance with him. That's why it's important for me to be careful what impresses me. Does the scene of the cross impress me? Or does the scene of an attractive, rich, wealthy person impress me? What impresses me more? How many hours do I spend looking at the cross? How many hours do I spend looking at all the different things on the social media, that time, it steals the time. It steals the time. At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him. Here he's referring to the king of the south. Again, remember, Jerusalem is one of the main focus. He's saying a king from the south of Jerusalem will attack him. So he's the north of Jerusalem. And the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, horsemen, and with many ships, and he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass them. Here, the Antichrist will destroy the, the kingdom, the people who are trying to fight him from the south. He will destroy them in no time. He will have control over the world. And he shall enter the glorious land. What is the glorious land? Uh, Palestine. And many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape from his land Edom, moab and the prominent people of amun so he's saying that he will take over palestine a lot of the lands around it the um, Moab, Edom, and and this part is part of jordan some people say jordan will escape one of these great battles that a lot of people uh, a lot of the world will be involved in verse 42 he shall stretch out his hands against the countries and the land of egypt shall not escape look i want to tell you guys something The prophecies in the book of Daniel, nobody can give you exact interpretation. Even Daniel himself did not know it at the end. But he says he will stretch his hands against the the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. In my heart as I'm reading this verse, I think this has to point to the Coptic church. That the Antichrist will come after the faithful in the land of Egypt. The strongest form of Christianity, you will see it in certain parts in the Middle East today. And he shall have power over the treasure of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. Also, the Libyan, the Ethiopian, should follow at his heels. So a lot of these nations, Libya, Ethiopia, Sudan, they will also be subdued by the Antichrist. And he will take, some people say, he will take the riches of Egypt and all the Middle East oil companies, all countries, he will be, be under his control. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore, he shall go out with great fury to destroy and in- annihilate many. Basically. You see this also in Revelation 9. When, when you have a powerful king like this, many nations from the east and west try to fight him. Whenever he hears a nation is going to fight him, he goes with so much anger. Who do you think you are to fight me? And he destroys them. And he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain, yet he shall come to his ends, and no one will help him. What does that mean? It means that Jerusalem will be part of his headquarters. This is one of the main places he will stay, like we'll see this in Second Thessalonians. But it said that at the end of his life, no one will help him. His ends will be like Antichus Epiphanius. He's not going to die by the hands of men. He's going to die by himself. No one will help him. This is what's happening in the book of Daniel, chapter 11. Over, over 135 prophecies that have been fulfilled already historically from this book. This chapter alone. As Gabriel is speaking, Remember in the scene from chapter 10, there was Gabriel, an angel, our Lord Jesus Christ, and Archangel Michael was mentioned. Chapter 12, verse 1, it says, At that time, Michael should stand up, the great prince who stand, watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was see, as, as, never, as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who's found written in the book. So he's telling him in the time of the Antichrist Archangel Michael will be watching. Watching. He will tell him there will be such a difficult time never happened in history. And you look at this verse and you wonder does this verse comfort me or makes me worry? That God is watching but yet, there are such a great difficulties that's coming ahead. This is what our Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew, by the way, twenty four, twenty four, twenty one. For there, for then, there will be a great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never be equal again. It will be unlike it, the amount of tribulation and suffering that will happen. In in the time of the Antichrist, some people say that during this period, a lot of the Jews will be converted to Christianity. And this is something that Paul spoke about in Romans when he said, I will show you a mystery of the kingdom, that at some time, the hardness of the Jews will be changed and they become into Christians, turn into Christians. But the end, he tells him, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into a lake of fire. This is Revelation 20.15. It's the same verse here. He tells him, everyone who's found written in the book of life, that's the only people who are going to survive. And many of those who sleep in dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is the very first time in the Old Testament that the scripture talks about eternal punishment and eternal reward. Daniel was the first person to mention it. Some people say the eternal punishment and reward is not mentioned in the Old Testament. Refer them back to Daniel. Some will rise to eternal joy and some will rise to eternal condemnation. And those who who are wise, remember the wise we spoke about earlier, the ones who knew God, the ones who instructed other people, will shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the star forever and ever. If you turn somebody to righteousness, if you bring somebody to God, you become like a star that lights forever and ever. One person makes you like a star. In the Gospel of Matthew 13, 43, our Lord Jesus Christ says, the righteous shall shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Some people, when you see them, they're full of joy and light even righteousness sometimes changes how we look. Some people, personality and presence, you can feel the calmness. He's saying they will shine forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and from and knowledge shall increase. What is what is the angel telling him? He's telling him seal up the book. By the way, seal up the book. This is a, a, an official terminology, and there is a an, a process in the ancient time where people seal the book. You'll find it in Jeremiah 32. They actually means they make a duplicate of the copy of the full book, and they place it and they stamp it, and nobody can change what it can, can can change it or alter it. But what is he telling him? Look at the rest of the verse. Many shall run to and from and knowledge shall increase. He's telling him the prophecies I have given you people will read them over and over again and their knowledge will increase with time. With time, things will become more and more clear. These prophecies will become more and more clear. If you read these prophecies during during Emperor Constantine, it won't make a lot of sense to you. You read it today, it makes much more sense than before. If you've read it 15 years ago, you might be doubtful. Why? A lot of our nations are Christians and follow people, follow God, and there's a lot of good principles. as time goes says people who are the people that are going to go to and from it are the saints the one who know the one who know then i daniel looked and there stood two others one on this river bank and the other on the other on that river bank looks like two angels and a lot of times in the old testament two angels represent a witness. You need two people to witness. And one said to the man closed in linen. Who's the man closed in linen? Our Lord Jesus Christ. who was above the waters of the river. How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? When I read this verse, I was imagining that Gabriel is telling Daniel all these stories and Jesus is standing the whole time. Watching. Daniel is in the presence of God this whole time. Jesus didn't get bored. He said, okay, look, Gabriel mentioned, finish this and I'm going to go hide from Daniel. No. Hello, you're greatly beloved. So the angel is asking Jesus how long this stuff will take. Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the water of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven. And swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and have a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all things shall be finished. Who is the one that can make an oath like this? Only God. Nobody can make an oath like this except to God. Raises his two hands. Raising a right hand, it was customary practice for an oath. You see it in Genesis fourteen, twenty-two and deuteronomy. Raising both hands is an oath only in the name of the eternal God. And you'll find it in Revelation ten, five to six. For he's telling him the period of the Antichrist will be about three and a half years, a time, times and a half a time. This is what we saw. In in Revelation, this is what we see in Daniel 9. This is the period of Antichus Epiphanius. Remember, I said Antichus ruled over Israel for seven years, but the most difficult period was the last three and a half years. The same thing is repeated. Although I heard, this is Daniel says, although I heard, I heard, he says, time, time and time and a half. I did not understand. I give him a lot of credit for being able to write all these details. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? What's going to happen? He's asking for for further information. The verse before it, God is telling him, things will finish even when the the power of the holy people shattered. They're getting to the end. Our Lord Jesus Christ spoke. He says, if God did not shorten this time, even the chosen will will perish. It's a very difficult time. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the, till the time of the end. He's telling him, I'm not gonna share any more prophecies with you. This knowledge is concerning, the, uh, is concerning a very far future from you, and this knowledge will be given to the saints. Remember, that's what he told them in verse four. People are gonna go and come to these, these verses, and with time, they will understand and discover. Again, many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. As if almost like when God sees all this evil that's happening, he says, but I see that my people becoming more and more pure, more and more humble, more and more holy. these tribulations, as much as difficult they are, they bring us to understand our reliance on God. We have become so self-dependent that even the cries and the prayers we have not practiced. That's why one of the fathers said, the most powerful prayer is the prayer that comes with, on, from honesty with God. Honesty doesn't mean only what I feel, but also realizing the truth of who God is and who I am. According to Daniel prophecies, wickedness shall not decrease in the last days, but it shall increase. Because some people say, uh, all, the, all the changes that people are making in society is just a natural progression. We're a society that's moving to advance morals. No. People are going down in morals. Now people feel it's okay to lie. It's okay to cheat. If I'm not harming anybody, I can do whatever I want. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. This is Also, Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 24, 15. And this is one of those things where it's up to interpretation. What would the desolation of abomination mean in the last days? Would it mean something that will happen to the Eucharist? I don't know. Would it mean something would happen to the temple of Israel? I don't know. But the, 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 the Antichrist will desecrate some of the most holy worship and will prevent it at the end of time. And he's saying here that obviously if you say three, three and a half years is about uh, 1,020, 160 days, it seems like he added 30 days extra Some people say is the time that presents the time that God will take to judge the nations immediately, which is mentioned in Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Blessed is he who waits and come to the 1335 days. So now Daniel adds another 75 days. So Pharisee says three and a half years, the tribulation. He added 30 days, what people say for the judgment of the nations, now he added another about 75 days, and Saint Jerome even said, I don't know what these 75 days were. And I'm glad we don't know, because the verse said people will continue to go to this book back and forth until knowledge will increase. I'll, t- I'll read for you what Saint Jerome said, so you see, he says, by means, He means that one is blessed who waits for 45 days beyond the predetermined number, for it's within that period that our Lord Jesus Christ is to come in his glory. But the reason for the five days of inaction after the slaying of the Antichrist is a matter matter that rests in the knowledge of God. This is Jerome. Unless we say that the rule of the saints is delayed in order that their patience may be tested. So he says... rest is in the knowledge of God I could make a hypothesis but I don't know look here this is what the last thing that the angel tells Daniel but you Daniel go your way till the end for you shall rest and will rise to your inheritance at the end of days Daniel you've had enough You fasted enough, you prayed enough, you labored enough. Your faithfulness became so known. Sometime God waits for us until our love for him is inflamed so he can take us. God told him, you have come to the point where you can rest. I pray that you and me can hear that voice one day when we know that we will rest in the hands of God after our love for Him have been completed, have been grown on fire, inflamed. The end of the book of Daniel, as we concluded, we see how one person, one person, away from his church, away from his people, away from the agbaya, away from the structure. In the midst of the palace, there's a lot of singing, a lot of dancing, a lot of alcohol, a lot of women. He has a lot of power, a lot of connection. He used to pray three times a day. He came to the point where at the end of his life, he's crying for his people. It's almost like the image of our Lord Jesus on the cross. Those who follow God would reach the image of the cross whether in the Old or in the New Testament. It is the truth that is embedded in the heart of those who seek the truth of God. I pray that all of us could learn faithfulness from Daniel in everything we do, in our fasting, in our work, in our service. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.